my family will tell you, uh, that I am a stickler about Christmas music, when not to listen to it as much as I am how much I listen to it, because to give Thanksgiving its due, I think that no Christmas music should be listened to or allowed in the house until Thanksgiving is over. And so that's just my pet peeve and my rule and what my kids do as they like now that they're not at home anymore. But Christmas for me begins with the music because it's soulful and it touches me in such, such deep places and in so many ways. There's so much of it written. And is it perhaps because it's just a special time of the year? As the song says, uh, the most wonderful time of the year, and we just listen to music for a brief period of time and then pack it away. I think music uh, makes Christmas, in my opinion, it helps me know when it's, when it's beginning, when I listen to it. And interestingly, that Luke's gospel has in it, often hidden because we don't pay attention to them, in light of the story, the narrative that Luke lays out of, of Jesus' birth, Four songs that are written by four key players in the story. Four different songs. And we're going to look at those over the next Sundays, coming uh, week after week, to consider this first Christmas songs that were ever written when Luke's Gospel was penned. And so today we're going to be looking um, at Mary, of course, to start out with. Next week we'll look at Zechariah. We'll be considering the angel's song, which is just two lines long. And we'll be looking at the song of Simeon. And then after Christmas, a couple of people in that story that their songs didn't make it into Luke's gospel. But, but the playlist for Christmas, the first playlist is recorded and here for us to celebrate and to learn from. So the scripture this morning from Luke chapter 1 beginning with verse 39 includes Mary's song. Listen, if you will. At that time, Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary said, and here comes her song. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been merciful, no, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then Luke concludes saying, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And that is today the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Well, if you'd pray with me, please. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. For you are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So we begin with Mary's song today. A few quick facts about, about this piece of Hebrew poetry that was the first Christmas song ever, and it is commonly known as, or referred to as the Magnificat. Well, you can kind of pick up, even if you don't know Latin, what that means, right? Magnificent. It is magnificent. That's the name of the song that Mary wrote, as, as Luke titled it for us, because God had done an amazing thing with her. It is... Um, written in the same meter and in the same prose as ancient Hebrew poetry that we find in the Old Testament. Any canticle, which is outside of the book of Psalms, uh, it is most closely related to or has commonalities with, from, from the book of 1 Samuel, the song of Hannah, as she sang a song about something great that God had done there. Mary sings this song in, in a great tradition of her Hebrew faith, of her Jewish faith. And it has powerful implications and great meaning for us as we listen to it and claim it as our own and sing it ourselves. It's a declarative song. It is a song of declaration. And it declares to us a few things about God. And the first of those is that God is mindful of us. That God is aware of us. That God sees us. That God knows us. And that God is always aware of us and our needs. Think about a young teenage girl turning up pregnant, unexpected, unexplainable, and having to explain that to your parents and to your fiancé that you're betrothed to. How in the world could uh, anyone handle that? Much less a young teenager who's, who's got a lot of... Uh, Challenges, as teens often do anyway. And yet she breaks out in song with her, her relative Elizabeth, who she's gone, gone to stay with, and she says that she glorifies in God and her spirit rejoices. Why? Because he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She praises first and foremost in this song that that God has recognized her as lowly and off the radar as she may seem, and he has done something great with her. The angel Gabriel had come to tell her so. Wow, what an amazing story of God recognizing and using someone that seems insignificant in the eyes of the world to change the world. This song, the Magnificat, this beautiful piece of, of poetry put to song is, is one that reminds us that God is mindful of us as lowly of a state as we may feel. I hope all of us can remember that during Advent, to think about and to reflect upon that God is mindful of you, God is mindful of me, that God loves me and has created me a unique and, and beautiful being unlike anyone else in this entire 
vast universe. And not only that, but He has extended His hand and arms of love to us in a way that that nothing else can meet our needs. No human love anyway. Recognize that God is mindful of you and that, that it begins at Christmas in a way that the world had never known before and has really never known in a different way since. God sent Jesus, the the Word made flesh, to come and dwell among us and to show us how to live in love and to show us that we are loved because He went to the cross to die that we may experience the embrace and the grace of God. Do you hear that for yourself? Do you hear that about others too? During this season of busyness and time when we may be around people that we're spending extended amounts of time with, i.e. family or friends, that, that God is mindful of them as well, of every person that comes to our food pantry in need of something to eat. God is mindful of, of everyone in our church family, the homebound, those in nursing homes who we will go and, and sing Christmas carols to to lift their spirits in good cheer. God is mindful of for all of those who, who have experienced loss or struggling with, with illness or depression. God is mindful of, and we should treat one another in a way worthy of that. Mary sings her song, and, and she says, uh, God has been mindful of the humble estate of His servant. And... For all generations forward, they will call me blessed because of it. If you want to experience a blessedness this Advent and Christmas season, stop every day and reflect upon how God is mindful of you and loves you. And be mindful of others around you and their needs. In meeting those needs, extend to them the same love. Mary's song declares that God is mindful of us, but it is also a declaration that God is moving within us if we are open to that and if we are connected, linked in, if you will, with the Spirit. Mary is visited by this this angel Gabriel, as the story goes famously, in Nazareth. And she's told that she's going to be having a child that's God's child. She's anointed. She is blessed in that way. And we know that very quickly soon thereafter that she, as, as uh, Luke puts it, she gets ready and hurries away to the home of a relative, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Pretty good distance she had to travel to get there, but she needed to go and be with family during this time. And perhaps even we think was just sent away by her parents because of their concern for her well-being and for the shame factor of turning up with the child not being married. Anyway, Mary is sent to go and stay with Elizabeth, who herself is expecting in a quite miraculous way. Isn't it interesting how God brings together people that have similar Needs are going through similar circumstances in life. Yes, Mary goes and stays with Elizabeth um, because she needs a girlfriend to talk to, maybe. I don't know. I don't understand women fully. Jenny will tell you that. 
And she glances up uh, and looks out of the top of her glasses as I say that. But, but when there's something wrong, when women are going through a struggle, it doesn't matter what a husband or a boyfriend or a, a guy friend has to say. They want to call a girlfriend and talk to them about it and get advice and counsel. I don't, women, maybe you can explain to me later why that is. But Mary needs to talk to someone that's going through a similar circumstance as her. As young as she is, Elizabeth is quite older in fact, beyond childbearing years, and she hurries to go and be with her. But here's the thing. Here's the fascinating dynamic in this story that Luke puts those two together is that Elizabeth had everything to celebrate about her pregnancy and her coming child because she's been waiting and longing for it and trying for years and years and Mary has no reason to celebrate whatsoever because the world is against her in that time and date of being pregnant and unmarried. And she has to, to flee. And yet it's Mary that breaks out in song when she arrives at Elizabeth's. It's, um, it's fascinating to me how this breaking out in song thing caught on ever since that time. One of the things that, that my, my girls go do every year at Christmas is go to the Carolina Theater downtown and watch A White Christmas. Who's seen that before? Yeah, great dancing, I understand. Maybe I should be ashamed to say I've never gone to see it. But I just don't get the concept of musicals. Do you? I don't. I mean, my whole life, I've never been just going along and suddenly just broken out in song and started singing about something I just said. Does that happen at your house or at work or at school? I, I just don't get it. Where does that come from? Does it come from, from Mary doing that? I mean, you have to be really gleeful and joyful and happy about something deep inside of your soul to stop the conversation and to start singing. It speaks, I think, loudly to what's going on inside of Mary, and that is that God has spoken to her in a very powerful way and has helped her to realize that God's hand is upon her and with her all along. You know, whatever struggle you or others might face during this holiday season, whether it's, it's grief or job challenge or financial or whatever the case is, can you just remember that for yourself, that God is working within you if you will just wake up and focus upon it? You probably need that strength and that help to get through a difficult season. And God is there speaking to us always, His Holy Spirit moving us, piquing our interest, making us think and feel and following impulses to go and and to care for people that are in great need. Mary's song is one of declaration that God is moving within us. And finally, it's a declaration that God is mighty over us. God is ruling over us in all of the world, in all of the universe, and all things. God is greater than all things in this life and in this world. In Luke's Gospel, and if you want to go back and read at the very beginning parts of chapter 1, where he opens it up and pins about his 
his uh, writing this account of Jesus' life for a, a rich guy named Theophilus who wanted it written down, obviously. Luke speaks in there of the times in which Jesus was born. It was one of great turmoil for the Jewish people living in Judea, and it was one of great power and might over them in a governmental and uh, inflicting way. It's amazing to me that God chose this particular time to send a Savior into the world through a lowly, peasant, unknown little girl that the world would have never have thought would have birthed a king. Royalty comes, we think, through thrones and, and through heritage and through, through lines of people. And most often it does in worldly senses. But, but there's an end to all of those that are placed in authority by election or by overthrow or by death. And yet we see that in the middle of that turmoil, there is a little baby born, very quietly to a meek and yet open to God girl that changes the world and upends the social order of things, the order of the way that we look at other people, and upends the human heart altogether. Listen to what she says in her song. God has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those that are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. And He has lifted up those that are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. And He has sent away those that are rich empty. Jesus came into the world. Mary is telling us, preparing us to up in the social order of things as we think it ought to be run. There's a kingdom that reigns upon earth as we allow it to, and it is the kingdom of God that works within us and among us and between us as people. And it is a kingdom of justice and righteousness for the lowly and the meek, for those that are downtrodden and beat upon. It is a kingdom that feeds the hungry and gives to them food even though they've not earned it or don't deserve it. It's a kingdom that will upend our hardened hearts towards others and give to us a new love that we didn't know we had. It's a kingdom that turns over our attitude when it's bad and closed off to other people. Have you ever needed a renewed or overturned attitude when you wake up sometimes in the morning? We're reminded by Mary's song that it's Jesus that brings that to us. And a kingdom that renews our perspective altogether on our purpose being here in the world and the reason that we gather together to worship. And it all comes back to the birth of the baby. This song points to the birth of the Savior coming into the world to point and refocus our attention to God. So the question for us as the Advent season progresses is what song is in our hearts? What song are you singing every day as you prepare for His coming into your heart and into your life and into our world in a new and powerful way? 
probably, like me, have your own Christmas playlist that you're listening to and radio that you tune into to hear some of the joyous songs of the season. Even our choir on the 16th will be helping us to celebrate the songs of the season that we hold most dear. And yet there's a song that's often overlooked and quietly sung out in the world that God has in mind. And it's one that gives to us a perspective of, of the nature of God that, that can change things forever for each of us and for the world. 